Hello! Welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega, Trick Slattery, David Joseph, WSD Time, and Quaid. And the guys are going to talk a little bit about politics of the situation and things like e equality and, um, and fairness, socialism, capitalism, all that fun stuff. I love it when these guys talk, and they know much more than I do, so... Um, how would you guys like to start out? Um, Chandler, let me just frame it in terms of like, what is that? What's that noise? Wait, y'all can actually hear that? Yeah, yeah I can yeah. hear that. Oh, that's <laughs> me cutting off the, uh, my mic. That's uh, me cutting up my speakers on my um, headset. How can y'all hear that's that? That's funny. You, you, it, it sounded like a human voice almost. Yeah, it sounded like, hoo, hoo, hoo. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just, yeah. I don't know how you heard that. All right. Yeah, it's no, we did. Yeah. All right. So All right let, sorry. Let me, let me do this. Um, WC. All right. So, um, so this issue is important to our mission because, like, one of our challenges is to show people, show our audiences, show the world that this isn't just about getting something right. This isn't just about truth, just about, you know, scientific knowledge or whatever. This is, you know, this has profound, vast um, sociological implications, imp implications, political implications. And, and the other part of this is like, so yeah, it, it's, it's about getting people to care about what we're saying. So to the extent now, if, if we can like, for example, like, you know, launch a, a kind of a, a, um, a strategy to, to get people to understand, to, to inject this into politics, then who knows? We might awaken a kind of an issue that it's really like in the backdrop of politics today. You know, Democrats, liberals tend to be, you know, tend to understand that, that societies form individuals and then individuals don't have the free will to kind of like, you know, just do what they want independent of these, you know, sometimes very negative societal influences. Uh, Republicans tend to just blame the individual, you know, and, and, you know, with free will. So so that's the kind of like the frame framework of why this is important. And so we might want to address that in more detail and then just like go into the specific issues where this, you know, our perspective of whether we have a free will, whether we believe we have a free will or not, really matters in terms of like how we just like conduct our politics, just govern our, our not just this country, but the entire world. Yeah, I agree with, I would agree with you, George. And um, I think I want to start us out probably with the issue of wealth equality. If we could talk a little bit about that, because um, I think that's very po politically profound subject here and it ties into whether um, we should be focusing on a strong set of capitalism or a strong set of socialism or something in between uh, and I think the free will topic does play an important role in, in which direction we move to uh, in this political issue there. Absolutely. So uh, yeah so so when and, and I, I take it from the uh, notion of being more or less deserving of others. So I think I think once people get this idea that a, another person is more or less deserving because of what they've done or accomplished, then then they we we create what's called these ownership rights or or certain property rights. And it's it's the kind of the foundation of capitalism, right? So so 
people do things to create that create value and they obtain ownership of those and, and we and we we kind of understand why we have to do that right we we understand that it creates incentives and and all this other stuff to do this but uh but on the other end of the scale it creates these um kind of extreme cases where you have the wealth inequalities that we see in like say the United States where uh one to two percent own the majority of all wealth right so so you have all these really bad imbalances due to this idea that those people up at the very 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 top are deserving of what they actually have because just because of the fact that they've got to where they got to <laughs> so yeah and the other part of that trick is then the people at the bottom the very poor who are poor you know because of circumstances completely beyond their control imagine being born a you know, into a really bad neighborhood with, with parents that have, like, you know, been discriminated against, and then, ex you know, society expecting them to, to, to achieve as well as, for example, somebody who's born, you know, with a silver spoon, with everything given to them. So, so basically, you know, the other part of this is we blame poor people for being poor, and that, that blame is really founded on the belief in free will. So it, it, it's really harmful in, in both of those, you know, those both of those polarities. Yeah, and it's all, it's almost circular. It's it's this idea of privilege. So when, when when we talk about privilege, we talk about the fact that somebody that's born in wealth is able to actually create more wealth because they're born in a situation where they can get educated, where they have all of the um, positive things that that allow them to reach the standards that they actually reach whereas those that don't have those means don't have that privilege they don't they, they don't have those those causal connections that allow them to to actually accomplish the same types of things and it's very hard for somebody to to break out of that though it's, it happens every once in a while so, where someone in poverty is able to break out and and uh, people will use that as an example oh they did it that means anybody could do it but that that's the mistake in, of free will that people, you know, kind of associate with that type of thing. Right. Quaid, what's your take on this? Um, I have um, a few things. I mean, um, what you're kind of saying, uh, what Trick is saying uh, kind of makes me think of something I was talking about in one of my classes a while back where uh, actually I, had, I got into a debate online with somebody about um, um, responsibility and assigning uh, praise or blame and, you know, he brought up things like uh, Einstein. We give Einstein, like, credit for general relativity. Uh, and his argument was justifiably so, because even though he used physics, um, you know, from that was developed before uh, he was even born or, uh, you know, he before, you know, he developed his own idea um, that... Besides that, he was really, you know, fully responsible for it. And and my rebuttal to him and what we ended up talking about in class was that if you, if you had read um, the biography by um, Walter Isaacson uh, that was about Einstein, um, there were a lot of people involved. There were a lot of people besides him involved. And it really, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, you know, who do you give the Nobel Prize to? Okay, you know, you give it to... Uh, 
Albert Einstein, um, but he doesn't even assign all, you know, if, what, what if that clock had not been there that he passed, you know, every day, every day on the, on the way to the, the patent office and the things that the actually inanimate objects that he used that inspired him and gave him ideas. It really makes the whole idea of um, assigning blame or praise to any one individual um, kind of arbitrary, I think, is uh, the word. All right, well, quite, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the, the, the issuing of, for, for example, Nobel Prizes or academic um, awards is relatively rare. It doesn't impact all that many people. But can you think of, like, examples similar to Einstein's being credited that are much more political because they involve involve so many other people. Uh, can you say that one more time? Sorry, can you repeat the question? But basically, you know, you were you were kind of like delineating how this free will belief is is relevant to people like Einstein who were awarded these, you know, prestigious awards yeah. like the Nobel Prize. But uh -huh. can you can you kind of like apply that same, you know? Oh yeah, um, I mean that's. Um... I mean, that's kind of a, a macro scale example, even because, I mean, he wasn't American and I mean, we might be talking more about like local issues. Uh, but to, to me, that's part of it is if we want to assign uh, important people a certain status and kind of ignore all the people who we consider less significant than them as really not deserving anything as if Einstein isn't part of this bigger system. So, I mean, you can apply this to anything. You can apply this to to people in poverty we we're basically what we're doing is we're assigning value to those people we're assigning a certain amount of value and we're telling them you're not as important to the system when in reality there's plenty of reasons that they're important to the system there's there are systems set in place that's structural functionalism the idea in sociology that would not function without homeless people you there there are a bunch of jobs that are made by the government to help um, homeless people that would not exist if homeless people did not exist. So they are part of this system as well. Uh, and I, obviously we don't want, we don't want it. We, that doesn't mean that it's a good thing, you know, for them to exist. And, but the point is, I think to, if we start acknowledging that th these people deserve recognition and they deserve uh, to, they deserve the credit for being born into the human race and being just as much vital to the system um, as, any other number that is born, I think you'll start to actually solve some of those problems. All right, but uh, let, let, let me ask you: do we, do we do we talk about this nearly enough? Because I think again, one of our challenges, our our primary challenge, is probably to get the world to understand that it, that this isn't just an academic issue. This isn't just a matter of like understanding truth. This this has vast implications. So, are, are we doing enough to, to like to to make this relevant? to people not just on an individual basis but societally globally um well i mean i, I think a lot of people here would probably say that we're doing what we can uh if we can do more i mean there's always uh more to be done and if you're trying to say like i, I my stomach might be a little bit confused about uh, what's exactly being talked about but i, th I think you're saying like we're on, well uh, for on, example on, on, yeah, yeah quite, for example we have a uh a major, you know, political um, election coming up in, in, in the United States, November. And, yeah. you know, this, for example, like, and it, it, it's not just about poverty and rich people. For example, like, people blame and hate and deny rights to gay people based on this idea that you can choose to be gay or not. 
I mean, people yeah. will will kind of like, you know, there, there's a lot of issues that this re relates to. And I'm not sure we're doing nearly as much as we could, you know, to, to focus on these. We, we've done a lot to explain just generically, basically why we don't have a free will. And we've, we've kind of like covered in a broad way the implications, how it, it causes us to blame each other personally, whatever. But yeah, I'm not sure we've really devoted, you know, I certainly, I don't, you know, in my show, I don't think I've, I have done that, you know, so I, I think maybe as a group, just like trying to explore what, what, what issues we can use to kind of like bring it more out there, especially in these kinds of like political environments. Chandler, what, what are your thoughts? Well, George, first of all, I want to agree with what you just said there. Um, we spend a lot more time talking about the logic of why we can't have free will in, under a deterministic or indeterministic system. And, and we've tried, we've made some attempts at comparing things like, you know, the overweight issue. We, we've talked about the gay issue. We've talked about some of these issues and there's two ways to approach this. One is the way that we've been doing, the pure logic of it, which is very general. It applies to all areas, but people might not understand it that well for some reason. The other method is to go with each situation and explain that situation specifically why those people didn't have a choice in the situation they ended up with. And both are important, but I feel like, yeah, we've spent a lot more time just explaining why we don't have free will, but we haven't really gone into exactly how all of the implications, because that is a never-ending job. So I, I agree there's always more that we can be doing as far as that goes, yeah. as soon as we are able to think of it. Yeah, so George, are you wanting to look at like um, like disenfranchised groups, like smaller kind of minority powerless groups? Is that what you're saying is we need to have more of a discussion about? Because that because I mean, you're saying political and that's, you know, obviously those are people that are very important when you're you live in a, a democracy with a constitution as to look at those disenfranchised groups and ask, you know, how are they being uh, treated unfairly? That's one aspect. You know, another one is the whole entangling of politics with free will. You know, what, where do you stand? So Trick said that he, you know, he's a socialist. Uh, I'm whatever I need to be. I usually identify as libertarian, but that doesn't, it's not consistent. Like uh, a lot of libertarians don't believe in funding education. And I think that's a really bad idea. I think it's probably one of the most important things to fund. Uh, and it's specifically because I, I, I believe in determinism. I think that education determines behavior. And so if you educate people better, they will make more solid choices. They will make better choices. And so that's the political connection there for me. Um, so sometimes, you know, but it just depends on. So are you talking about talking about specific groups or talking about philosophically tying the, the politics in with the free will? Well, both. In other words, like um, in terms of specific groups, it's not just nationally, and it's, it's not just relative to capitalism versus socialism. This is global. For example, like one to two billion people on the planet live on, on one, two dollars a day, you know, and mm -hmm. the rich countries basically justify their ignoring their plight by saying, well, you know, their parents shouldn't be having them. They can't afford them. You know, these people are lazy. These people should be working. And all these yeah. kinds of justifications are predicated on the belief in free will, you know, on, on, on the fact that they have a free will to do, you know, to rise out of poverty and they're not. And so like, you know, so we have groups like that that, that aren't 
even minorities. They're like huge populations. And, but yeah. it's, it's beyond that. It's beyond that. It's like, for example, you know, my, my most recent book dealt with the issue of climate change denial. And if we understand denial as the, an unconscious defense mechanism, I'll be back. That, all right, that protects people, individuals from information that threatens their self identity, their self image, then I think we have to kind of like speculate, theorize that when scientists are telling people that, my God, we, we may destroy civilization over the next hundred years, and people believe in free will. What people are hearing is that, oh, my God, you know, I and my friends and my family, we all are such horrible people. And the problem is, you know, based on the free will belief and the problem is that people can't hear that psychologically. So, again, they, they unconsciously go into denial and this this like this this over 50 percent here, at least here in the United States, denial that, that climate change is happening, that human beings that are causing it you know, may to a great extent, to maybe 20, 30, 40 percent, um, you know, um, percentage of, of, of the rationale, of the reasoning, be caused by this, this belief in free will. So, so again, like, it's the, the, the need to find these issues, to, to enumerate them, and then the second step is to just then, then present them in, in much more detail and over and over, because, like, you know, just, just as we have to present over and over why we don't have a free will, we also have to present over and over why it matters to us uh, sociologically, politically, you know, as a world. Hey, yeah, and I th sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. What I was going to say is, George, you know, it's not um, so much uh, minorities that are discriminated against. Sometimes it's majorities or, you know, that are discriminated against. I mean, well, like, for example, like women aren't exactly a minority. There's about there's all, about as many women as there are men, and yet women have historically been treated really bad in every. It's not just a country specific thing, and I think that's an important thing. Is is just looking at at weird stuff like you know my mom knows a lot of music history and she knows how women were not allowed to publish their music. There were composers that had to publish their works under their brother's name or some other male relative and how they wouldn't let um, women sing in choirs so they would castrate the boy so they would stay soprano and it's like clearly being a woman put puts somebody at a disadvantage it's not right, as bad now as it used to be in some places but right but Chandler we do have to make a distinction between other rationales for discrimination and free will belief-based discrimination. In other words, like, you know, I think people genuinely believed that women were not as capable of, as men, were not as intelligent and all. And, you know, now with more women in law school and medical school here in the United States and with, with women outperforming men, um, students in, in science and math, you know, those, those rationales no longer apply. But, you know, we have to really distinguish between you know, different rationales for discriminating and the rationales that are free will belief based. Well, that's a, I, that brings up a question, George. Are there are is there any good times when it is good to discriminate based on a logical reason? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, no, how, you, how, you, <laughs> no. yeah, how are you how are you defining discrim discrimination? Yeah. Yeah. Well, OK, let me let me clarify here. When I think of the word discrimination, what I think about 
is somebody being treated worse, not being given certain opportunities, not being paid as much, being treated badly just because they're a different gender or a different skin color or they were born in a different country or something like that. That's what I think of discrimination, but maybe there's another uh, type of discrimination. I would say no to that, but I, I think that, that, I mean, it, uh, cops discriminate, you know, they're, they, they give and they, they do this in a bad way. They do this in a harmful way, too. But sometimes they do it in a very good way. They give a general description of what somebody looks like. And then you looking at a crowd of people have to discriminate uh, who fits that profile most accurately so that you can catch the right person. So that's well, discrimination. That, it, well, isn't that just basically describing something? Well, you have to but you have to discriminate different features. But that's the, just by the word discriminate. You're discriminating different features. So, so like, for example, uh, it, it's like that game, one of these is not like the others, where there's a whole bunch of uh, different pictures, and one of them is different than the others, and you have to pick out which one it is. Yeah, but you've yeah. got to understand that, like, you, even in, like, airports nowadays, they, they try not to profile. That, that's the reason why they do these, these like, uh, random, um, random checks rather than profiling yeah. specific people of a specific race though they do it to an extreme like they might they might randomly you know do some old lady who's obviously not a terrorist so so i think i think there's there's certainly the line yeah. somewhere <laughs> that, that, that so we're going to, yeah because we're going to uh what off of what uh, sam harris has gotten a lot of crap about what he said about airports and discrimination so i think that's yeah but that's a i think this is a different issue i mean i i don't think it has much to do with discrimination because of people's belief in free will whereas you know like the wealth inequality has to do more to do with whether someone deserves the wealth that they get or or someone is less deserving or someone you know some poor person is less deserving because they haven't you know reached uh, here's the thing is it is kind of related because since there is inequality still to a certain extent people of a certain race or gender or religion or nationality might not have the same educational opportunities and therefore that is part of the causality as to why they're more poor than someone else um, so it's like people think that that person could have chose to be a different skin color, chose to be a different gender, or choose to be born in a country. Yeah. Well, that, that probably has more to do with like sexual orientation and things like that that, that George mentioned earlier, because those, those things people actually do think people have the free will to change or whatever. Uh, some people that don't understand how psychology and genetics work basically yeah i get what you're saying trick like they make a distinction and they think that oh well you can't choose certain biological features that way identify but they think that people have more of a choice in their behavior than they do that somehow right yeah and that's so for example like um Kasich, you know uh, a republican uh, candidate for president just recently over the last week um kind of like uh, it's in the CBS News. I'll, I'll see if I can get the the uh, the link. He just admitted that um, that gay people are probably born gay, um, and so like you know, this is like these kinds of opportunities, these kinds of statements provide opportunities for us to just you know to go with them and just like to use them to explain why why would Kasich um, say that. 
you know, and I'm, I'm actually posting the link here so you guys can see. Um, so, so this is just one example. Like, you know, if we use um, these issues that, that, that are already in the news, and that it, I think this is a, a, a powerful vehicle for them to just, like, explain to people why people say that and, and you know, why it, it's, um, it, it's relevant to the free will issue. Yeah, but, I think. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I, just to go off, I, I hope I'm not. This isn't too too far of a tangent, but I think it's important. We're talking about politics, and you know, we're talking about disenfranchised groups, and we're talking about um, majorities and inju injustices, and, and changing people's minds. Um, and I think that one of the so you had talked about you know people attributing you know uh, certain behaviors by certain certain cultural behaviors to the person and blaming it on them and saying that it, they're they're solely responsible. But we also I think it's important to acknowledge that this happens with Republicans too, like by liberal people. Um, and I, I there's a lot that Republicans do. Which, you know, we can still say are wrong and um, kind of, um, I don't know, vile in some circumstances. I, don't, I, I can't think of a, a better word right now to um, sum that up. But also acknowledging that they, too, are the product, I think, gives us a one-up on them. Because where other people, this happens a lot with people, with liberals, with anybody. Like, you talk to somebody like... Um, uh, um, well, yeah, Richard Dawkins, for instance, he won't talk to creationists. And if you ask him why, like most of the time to me, he just seems frustrated. He seems very upset by them and he doesn't think that it's worth his time. Uh, and I think uh, I, I, I think he he doesn't believe in free will, actually. Uh, but I don't think he fully thought about the philosophy. He's not a determinist, you know, in the same sense that I think a lot of us here are. So I think identifying with people like Kasich, you know, who just came out. And saying that, you know, he he's not to blame for his worldview before, but it's absolutely great that he came to this new way of viewing the world that is probably more correct um, is what's important, I think, especially for trying to proliferate our own message, because it makes people not feel as bad. It makes them see that it's OK to acknowledge that you're not in control, but that doesn't mean things have to stay the same, that they can still get better in a determinist worldview. I think that's the thing is people think that with free will, you, unless you, the world can't get better if the, unless there's free will to a lot of people. So I think breaking down that wall and showing that, no, yes, things can still get better under determinism. The only difference is determinism causes you to analyze the whole situation and not just focus on one age. You know, that's again, you look at Einstein and you say he came up with that or you look at a per, per, per person and you say that person is the culmination of all all his choices. He is the arbiter completely. Once you start to break down those walls, you start to find what's really the cause behind people's behavior and you start to deal with them differently. Yeah, Quaid, what you said is very important there. Once you understand determinism and you analyze those causes, that often leads to a change in our behavior and how we react to other people's behavior. And that's why we, I think change for the better happens through understanding determinism. And that's the point I often try to repeat so people are, don't mistakenly think that we're saying, oh, that things can't improve or something. And Quaid, I think the other very important point you make is that you're right. It's not just Republicans. I mean, I think liberals, um, Democrats tend to, in principle, understand this better than the Republicans. But in terms of like the politics, which is, is often, you know, um, contestual and, you know, just like 
thrives on blaming. You know, Democrats will blame Republicans for being callous, for being indifferent, for being unfair and all. And so who knows, maybe, maybe if uh, the Democrats were to adopt this, this kind of more mature, more truth-based perspective of, yeah, well, listen, um, and it's actually a more religious perspective, you know, when you think of Christianity, um, fine, these, these Republicans are, are you know, um, are doing and promoting, you know, certain things that are just horrible, just, just you know, evil, but, you know, we can't hate them as individuals. We, 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 we might want to hate the, uh, the belief or the, the, or um, the harm. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, so even just that, that change of, at all, uh, alone to kind of like to recognize that as, as, you know, the, the different political battles um, form and, 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 you know, progress might, might really help to, to, to highlight the benefit of our world overcoming this belief. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, like, for instance, to take, I think one of probably the biggest examples, if you took like the one percenters, like everybody hates the one percent, right? I mean, like, I think it like, that's one issue I particularly like, I, I hate money in politics. I absolutely hate it. I hate the fact, I hate the fact that there there are a small, (laughs) a small percentage of people draining, you know, the, the financial system, basically, you know, hoarding, essentially. I hate that there's that, you know, and it makes I understand how it makes people want to blame them. Uh, But another way to approach it is to say, well, if these people are determined, their behavior is determined by certain things that happen, then why are they? Why are they taking all the wealth and hoarding it up and then start to investigate it? You know, so how and then and ask ask the question, if if this is really what the best thing is, is they need it. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but if the best thing is for these people to recognize that they they really can't just take that they really need to contribute back to this thing called society, and that is just vitally important. The question then becomes for determinists: How do we get them to realize that? Not let's make them our enemy and see if we can destroy them. It's, or you know, or how do we change policy around it? Because because I don't exactly think it's it's even possible to change their mind on that type of thing. So so that's yeah, why yeah. we have you know those those occupy uh, things that are that, that happened in the past and things like that because people are just fed up with it. <laughs> so yeah yeah and um, is is it also is it wouldn't change what needs to happen right? So like it's at some level like in order for society to function properly like you can't just hoard all the money like you know we need that to to invest things so that's one thing but the thing is the truth of the matter is this would be a much i mean is it not true to say that this would be a much easier battle if they wanted to give the money to certain uh governmental institutions in order to improve things like public education or gain free college or better better health care if they wanted to do it it would make this a much easier battle i mean that's correct right right but but yeah, quite i think there lies the problem right i think well, trick's point is very important i mean i think our <clears throat> knowledge of determinism our knowledge of how strong the influences are for example when people you know gain a lot of money they become greedy they become selfish they become corrupt and like our understanding of, of this deterministic, this causal proce- process would, I think, inform us that, yes, it would be kind of like somewhat naive to expect that, that they are, you know, likely to change their ways. So as Trick was saying, you know, I think we have to find 
ways to to um, to basically disempower them. Um, not to go off the, the topic too much, but my, my most recent book, Climate Rescue Capitalism, is, is basically about that. I mean, it's it's geared toward climate change, but it's really relevant. It, it pertains to all any social clause. The idea is like, how do these how did the one percent get really rich? They got really rich by selling people products. Okay, so like the 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 theory behind this, and so like the way to disempower them is to to basically economically disempower them by competing with them. In other words, like. I did a I did a survey again. I, I know I'm dragging on, but you know this this just like just reflects how we could do this. Um, I did a survey, asked you know, 50 people if if your supermarket offered products, you know, that are equal in value and price and quality, the products you now now buy, and you knew that 100% of the profit from these products would be used to fight climate change instead of you know further enriching these you know corporations like Kraft. Would you buy these products? And I believe 44 percent, 44 out of these 50 people said yes. So, so basically, you know, the the wider point is that we can't expect um, these rich people to to all of a sudden, you know, find religion and you're just, you know, become good people. And so we have to look for for ways to take that power from them, you know, through a variety of means. And that's why this topic is so important, because because it ties into if everybody started understanding this this issue, then then that's how policies change, because I think it has to go through policy change. I, I think we have to not allow unfettered capitalism to just go unabided. Basically, we need to actually have limitations on wealth, uh, on, on the amount of wealth somebody can actually get. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I, I, understand, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you guys are saying. Just sorry, I, I, just to rebuttal a little bit here. Um, uh, um, to me, though, it's still significant because I, I understand. Like, yeah, there's practicality, but the whole premise of a lot of this is is getting people to um, recognize determinism, right? Um, and a lot of that has to do with behavior. Like, I I I, I agree with uh, you, George. I agree that. It, it seems more unrealistic reason even is unrealistic, but the, it is, is it not the goal though to get people to behave differently? Like that's my point is like, and this was a criticism of liberals in general. So again, I agree the things that happen. If we, if we have to do it through policy, which we likely will, of course, we're, you know, we're going to do it through policy. We're going to, you know, again, if, if we, if we, uh, need the money in order to, and again, it's, it's, uh, a principal issue, you know, there's a lot of different moral issues going on with the 1% that need to be dealt with by the people no matter what. Um, but there are still people, and the thing is, like, and this isn't just them, this is for everybody. Like, if we want people to stop resisting change, which is the biggest thing, like, that's, like, that's why a lot of people say Hillary Clinton is necessary right now. It's because the change from Republicans is so resistant that we need to put somebody in who's gotten millions of dollars from corporations and is really not that liberal, like, is more in the middle than 
certainly other candidates that are out there, but she, for some people, is necessary because these wheels are not greased, because we haven't even started to look at how do you get people to change fundamentally? Like, what's the science behind that? Not, not again, I, I understand the, the, it's see it, that it's unpractical to expect it to change tomorrow in some way, but it needs to start being looked at, especially if we're worried about changing systems faster, which is needed, especially when with, uh, you know, calamitous events like like climate change. You know, that's something that has to change very quickly. Yeah, seems. but that's the thing about her. You really think she's going to change that? Well, oh, actually, uh, I mean, like. Politically, she can't because the Republicans are still going to have the filibuster power in the Senate. So anything she proposes, you know, will not get past the, the Senate. So like, even if she was like more liberal than Sanders, you know, that that these are yeah. the, the political realities. Right. Yeah, but I feel like that she wouldn't try. I feel like that's one of the things that she probably would. I'm more concerned about her not getting money out of politics. I mean, everybody thought that she was being driven left by Bernie Sanders, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, but that's the thing. She's well, she's bought by these, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, uh, something that's not talked about is Obama made a lot of the same promises and never did them, and it's a very important. I mean, that Princeton, that Princeton study came out. We know for sure that policy does not change according to what people think. It's what the one percent thinks. It certainly shouldn't be like that, right? I mean, but it is, yeah. and they own us, and we need to use every means available in order to take that power back. I'm right. just saying just part of that might be convincing. Part of it. I want to make policy. one clarification. While policy is generally the way things change, it doesn't have to be that way. In other words, like. For example, with, with this climate rescue capitalism idea, this idea of competing, of creating new companies that are going to donate their, their, their profits to ending poverty, to addressing climate change, to medical research, to whatever it is, you know, if these were to take off, this requires no policy. In other words, the only mm -hmm. government in involvement that might be actually beneficial is if the government would be a watchdog organization so that these companies that are pledging to, um, to donate 100% of the profits actually would. So, so I'm just, I'm, you know, while, while policy is um, generally the way this can be done, you know, th there are ways, again, because we have to keep in mind that the reason, the only reason the rich have control over politics the way they, they do is because of their money. So you, we, we kind of like minimize their money advantage. All of a sudden, their political power vanishes. Yeah. Who, who does that, though? I mean, who? So well, uh, interesting. Is, is this, is, are these private businesses doing this? Quite. It's interesting because like, yeah, if you ask most people, most people say, you know, a company could not last a year or two giving their all their profits away. Right. But uh -huh. fortunately, we, we have this example of, of, uh, of a company that was founded here in the United States in 1982, I believe. It's called Newman's Own. It was founded by Paul Newman, the actor, and his neighbor. Yeah. And this, this organization, that's exactly what they do. At the end of every year, they, they give all their profits away. And they've been like around for almost 40 years. And, and they have donated over $400 million to, to thousands of charities. And the reason that's important, because I use that as a prototype, of a company that actually not only exists, but actually has thrived and grown under this model. Hmm. So is it just getting people to recognize that you can run a successful business under those much more altruistic premises than 
Right. And, and Quaid, there's actually another component. Um, with, with not-for-profits, at least here in the United States, it's kind of like a standard that of all the donations they receive, they're, it's acceptable for, for them to, to devote 20% of those dona- donations to quote-unquote operating expenses, which includes salaries. So, for example, like translate that to a company like this. For example, Paul Newman's was run by only four people. You know, and let, let's say that let, Paul Newman's company was like donating far more than, let's, let's say, $2 million a year to many, um, you know, charities. So let's say you have a, a company like this that's run by four people, and it's completely possible because, like, with the Newman model, his products were all outsourced. He didn't have factories. He just, like, you know, he outsourced all the work. So you, you have four people owning one of these com- companies, and they're donating $2 million a year to charities, they're entitled to, let's say, $100,000 each, you know, which would be 20% of the total donation. So, uh, Quaid, I think the point I'm making is that, like, it wouldn't just be an altruistic um, endeavor. It would be, like, entrepreneurs, young, uh, young entrepreneurs who want a, a kind of, like, an advantage over these conventional um, companies and offering new products. They could use this model to, to gain these, these much higher um, market shares. Yeah. But again, we're kind of diverting. We, we let's um, let's get back to the free will thing. Um, can you guys think of any other like um, you know major issues that we can use to inject you know the political thing with this? Because I have a feeling like if we succeed with this, guys, then then the Democrats who who and 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 your point is is, is very well made, Quaid. That like a lot of Democrats, a lot of liberals believe we have a free will, and that you know. But if we can su- succeed in getting people to understand that that eroding and just completely um, destroying this this concept of free will will help the liberal cause, will help the Democrats, I think we can get a lot of people on our side on this. Yeah, yeah, we probably can. Um, it, it's going to depend, too. I mean, I, I talk to liberals all the time, and some of them are all about it, man. They're all about free will. Uh, and. <laughs> And the, you guys, I think you've said this before, and you're you're probably right. I mean, the, the majority of our um, uh, target market is going to be liberals. Um, but I think that just I, I think it's a, that's what I was trying to say earlier is that I think it's a huge advantage to us that unlike other people, there's people that they want to keep out, or people they don't want to talk to, or people that they refuse to talk to, or people that they don't want to convince, uh, and that's just people who see people for who they really are which is just a just a culmination of other things that were outside of their control we can then once we get to know a person so well figure out hopefully better how to tailor the argument to that specific person in that specific group whether it be conservative or libertarian or socialism or norwegian or african you know what i mean like you can you can expand it with the uh, I think that's one of the advantages of accepting determinism to such a I think everybody accepts determinism to a certain degree and then there's a certain group of people they don't like and they drop the ball they just say I'm done with the idea because I there's this these people that I want to treat differently I want to be mad at them or I want to say they're awful people and so I and then I just want to cut them out of my life and so I'll make this excuse called free will that will allow me to do it morally you're, you're yeah. right. Absolutely. D- David, how, how, how would this play out in the UK, you know, in, in like the UK's politics? 
Uh, well, we have a, um, a referendum coming up about leaving the uh, European Union. And it's just basically what I see is, is one big blame game. You know, we've got too many people here and that's causing stress on our national health service. And so people blame immigration and they use that as a reason to just vote no to leave the EU. But they don't really address the, the root causes of why people are, are immigrating so much. So it's almost like a truncated form of causality. They can see it to a point, but beyond that, it's, it's all free will belief. So, yes, yeah, so I think if I follow your logic uh, correctly, basically the free will belief makes the people in the UK, just like the people in the United States, callous to the plight of the, the people in these other countries that are very poor and without opportunities. And so we don't help them, help them so we create this, this emigration from those countries problem. They, they immigrate to, to, to our countries, creating the problems, but the root cause you know, is this, you know, seems to be um, to a great extent this, this free will belief that is blaming the poor and justifying not, not helping them. Quaid, I think, you know, the, your point also is important that like people are using this free will belief to justify the, their own hatred. And so, but I think, I think what happens is like to the extent that people really understand that nobody has a free will, you know, the, the premise for that, for that hatred, I think, to a great extent will, will, um, will evaporate also. Because, you know, always like when you, when you hate someone, there's got to be a reason. It's usually based on, on how you perceive they're behaving, what, what, what you perceive they do. Absolutely. Uh, I'd also like to jump back to the, um, the idea. Was it Quade? Did you bring up the idea of uh, competition? In, um, I think that was George. To, yeah, George, oh, George, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, do you not think that um, competition kind of promotes the idea of free will? So when you've got these businesses, even though they're donating money, they're still kind of promote, uh, promoting this idea of competition and certain people are deserving of, of their situation, uh, what, you know, whatever they can, whatever they can make. They well, trick, how, to make yeah, it. trick. How would you answer that relative to socialism, you know, and and and, and capitalism? Well, I, I think yeah. Well, capitalism basically is based on this notion of uh, competition, basically. But but what it does is it, it creates this kind of uh, survival of the fittest type attitude. So it's it's just kind of irrational that way because people don't, you know, at the lower end don't really deserve what they. Um, you know, the, the low scale area that they uh, get to basically. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, so yeah, this creates this uh, atmosphere of survival of the fittest and those that aren't fit enough to survive don't really get thrown a life, you know, a, a life preserver basically. <laughs> but I, I think you mentioned this before trick that um, basically we, some competition is advantageous. In other words, right. like, it's because we don't have a free will. You know, because we don't have a free will, we're, we're um, programmed to seek pleasure and, and avoid pain. Expand on that trick. Well, I, I actually think that once everybody understands the whole, you know, free will, lack of free will thing, that, that we won't need this uh, idea of incentive as much as we do right now. I think, I think of the fact that we need these incentives 
is because of these free will psychologies that people currently have. So, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon, like because because it's such a, a pervasive, pervasive uh, feeling. So so. Um, so we need those incentive, incentives to drive, you know, certain actions, basically. And but don't think we, about it. But we Go have ahead. to we have to be careful of extremes, right? So so at this point we can we can say, oh well, free will doesn't really exist. So let's be careful and let's say, you know, let's let's put a cutoff on extreme uh, imbalances between the two. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, isn't part of the reason that this is so kind of nefarious is the fact that. It's not just that people are competing and failing. It's that they're competing and, and what they're losing because of competing and failing is really their life in some way, like their ability to provide for their families. I mean, if, if everything, if, we, if you could provide the fundamental basis, education, you know, if you had access to all the things that you need to be kind of content in your life and then there was competition, would it, you know, it's just like, you do things not because you're you're afraid of not feeding yourself, but because you generally take in you gen you genuinely take interest in them, and you want to compete with somebody else who's trying to make the same thing you are. Is you know is that such a bad thing? I mean, if, if you're running a race and you just like to race, you're not doing it because you're running you know from the the, the police or from an animal. You're doing it because you like competing and you like the adrenaline of running next to a person. Is, is that's that's a lot different from competing and the the what is on the line is that you could end up losing your house or yeah. your car or any of those things. And right. we got to we got to understand that that there's a certain level like, like in 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 Ontario where where I'm where I'm living right now in in Canada, uh, they're starting this thing where um, they're going to do a guaranteed basic income. Uh, they're they're looking into trying to trying to do this, which is a guaranteed basic income for anyone living there, basically. So so that's just the basics. So you can have food, shelter, clothing. You know, it, it's just it's it's a guaranteed basic income, regardless if you decide to work, or decided you know, regardless of work or anything like that. That's just the basics. And then if somebody wants more than that, then they have you know that's what where incentives come in basically so you want you know you want that nice car and you want certain things then you that's, yeah. you work to get those things but but they're guaranteed they'll they'll be guaranteed a basic income and i think this is a something where the free will belief kind of leads to is is this idea that people really should have these basic incomes you know just because they don't they don't they don't deserve uh the poverty levels, and, and plus, once they're out of poverty, they, they have more chance of getting to a place where they can actually increase their education and, and things like that to a point where they can make more money. So, Yeah, and an interesting, um, even though, um, you know, this belief in free will competition, you know, basically encourages um, industry and ambition and all, even had, though it has some positive benefits, you know, it it actually it 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 um it really um it works against the, the these global economies. In other words, what, what what one of the things it does is it gets us to work to work much harder than we need to and to produce much more than than we we need to. In other words, like you know, for for example, a, a person who who's an entrepreneur or a business person, because the free will belief 
tells them that if they make money, more money than the next person, they will feel better. You know, they will feel like they're a, you know, a more successful person. And, you know, and then like society gives them more in terms of like um, more of the resources. So what happens is that we end up producing, we, we end up comp competing with each other much more than is necessary you know, but even much more than is, than is beneficial in this, all we have to do to, to, to understand that is to look at climate change, how like climate change is fueled by, by this industry. So in other words, like if we cut down our, on our industry, let's say by a third, you know, um, and, and this third maybe is attributable to this competition, to these things that are, are being made, but aren't necessarily, you know, um, they're not needed. Then, then, then we might we might be able to kind of like be much more conservative in our in our use of resources. So, so yeah. So, like, while this this free will based you know reward and punishment is absolutely necessary, you know, because it, it really is. We are hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. To the extent we understand that we don't have a free will, I think it would constrain it within much more reasonable um, um, areas or, or just like levels. Yeah, and yeah, we also I... got to understand. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. I'll we also go got to understand that that um, the future isn't here yet. So w once once technology starts taking over and, and jobs get replaced basically with technology, and 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 that's and which which is the, they say is coming soon, right? They say that that yep. technology is going to take over the workforce basically. And so so once that happens, I think this we we really do have to knuckle down on this idea that everybody is equal. We can't, we can't allow some people to be at these extreme ends anymore once technology takes over the workforce. Yeah, because if that happens, everything's going to fall apart. We keep doing the same thing we do it now. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Elon Musk who came out and said that uh, he thought that that was actually the number one threat to humanity was uh, artificial intelligence, not because of some, like, spooky, you know... Um, you know, iRobot uh, future, but because they were going to take so many of the jobs that people were going to be priceless. You, they were they weren't going to have no value to companies anymore because machines could do what they did better than them. Right, um, and at that point, we we need to actually distribute our wealth, right? Because otherwise, we just have people in poverty because they're jobless <laughs> at that point. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, to, I do want to play devil's advocate just for a second, though, because I, I agree with everything everybody's saying for the most part, by the way. Uh, but I would say that when we're talking about competition, like uh, uh, George was saying, you know, we have people competing, which is essentially uh, causing a lot of the problems with uh, climate change. Uh, but I would also say that, that, that there's a problem and that people aren't competing to solve climate change. It seems like people are competing for for money, for resources. They're not competing to solve solutions, which was really, wouldn't we want that? Wouldn't we want that type of competition? Wouldn't we want two people, again, they're educated, they're not trying to feed their families, they don't, and again, by the way, these things cause biases, or create biases, by the way. When you're when you're trying to feed your family, I would guess you're, you're more likely to be dishonest in that situation because you have more at stake than if you didn't have anything, you know, the only thing on the line is you beating the other person. Right. Not that, all these other life factors. That's why I brought up that basic income thing because uh, they actually tested that out on, on I forget a tribe somewhere where where they gave the tribe a basic income that allowed them to uh, not have to work for their food 
or their shelter or things like that. And once they did that, it created uh, an atmosphere where they actually were more creative and were able to solve a lot of a lot more problems in, that were going on in their in the tribe itself. So 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 all these problems get resolved once they already have this basic income that they don't no, no longer have to worry about. So it's it's, it's part of the problem there. Yeah, and, and, and Quaid, I agree yeah. with you in terms of the competition. Now, the distinction is that the free will belief-based competition would more likely, I believe, based on our human nature, um, motivate the kind of um, behavior that, even if, even if it's like intended for a good cause, may not be beneficial to society. In other words, you might get people like feeling very arrogant you know, very boastful and elitist yeah. that they're doing more about it than others. So like, so, so, you know, so certainly you want to kind of like, again, minimize the free will belief um, in, in this healthy competition so that people exactly. are competing. Yeah. At a, at a more noble um, mean um, well, motives. Well, well, I think those you, people that. Sorry, Trick. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that, um, even if you have two people competing to, to raise money or, or solve a, um, you know, like a social issue, it's it's like a duplication of resources. It's, it's a waste of resources. It's better if people work together instead of competing. Good point. Excellent Yeah, that's point. a good point. That's yeah, I just, I mean, I just wanted to put that out David, that's Competition is bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, like, you know, I mean, like, we, we replicate. Like, look at, like, the software industry. You've got, like dozens, perhaps hundreds of companies competing, you know, for, for something that if they, if they got together, we'd have like a much better software, much less expensive, fewer people doing it. God, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I kind of take back what I said now. I mean, you're, you're, yeah, I, I can see that now, like, like uh, competition. I mean, cause to me, I'm thinking like, okay, two people are in a different room. They're working on the same problem. Uh, but you know, they know that time is a factor and they're, they're, they're trying to beat the other person, but really they could just be collaborating on that same issue. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't know though, maybe that's something that would be testable then. Like does time constraints and having the nerves of knowing that somebody else can beat you mean that you work harder or faster? Is that a scientifically testable thing? Yeah, may, maybe, but, but you gotta understand that, that the people that actually have a drive to, to make the world a better place usually aren't doing it for the money. Like even doctors who, who make a, yeah. you know, a lot of money, they, they, a lot of times they do it because of the drive to help people. Right. So, so a lot, you know, a lot of these things work out just based on that. Yeah. Uh, I agree with trick there. When people have a desire to do something, you know, it's not about the competition exactly. And like speaking of software, I think it's good to point out that there is some amazing open source software that ends up being better than commercial software that companies were competing to sell, you know, and I, that's just an example. How when somebody, it's their passion, they still do it. They do, it doesn't require that kind of deadly financial competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, no, no, go ahead. Well, actually, my brother works in the internet security um, industry. And interestingly, their, their top, you know, software developers routinely rely on on this um this uh, open source software for their products so uh, you know this this is very valuable i mean you know ideally it'd be great to um to have maybe these these companies like give back in a way if they're using this this free stuff but yeah it, it's it's an extremely valuable valuable use, uh, resource 
yeah. Um, I, I would just like to say as well, there's um, an author called Alfie Cohen who actually goes into detail on competition. And uh, another point that he makes is that when you're using competition, it basically you take away the intrinsic value, which we've just been talking about, and you replace it with the idea that you're, you're beating someone else or you're winning at something. And so that is what takes over, especially when you introduce monetary rewards or, you know, other kind of um, status rewards and things like that. So that's David, yes, I, I'm familiar with that. Like, based, you know, um, relative to my happiness research, yes, in other words, like you have, a, you know, people doing something that's good, charitable, right? Um, they're feeling good about it. All of a sudden you start paying them, you know, to do that same work and they feel less good about it. That's an important point. Yeah. Yeah, so there's more incentives that take place other than monetarily monetary incentives. So, yeah, and just in terms of the comp competition now, I mean, now that you, I mean, to me, I was thinking like ideally, you know, if you had two people that were, let's say, they were competing in different rooms to achieve the same goal, one does better than the other one. If the other person truly believes in free will, he won't be like, oh, well, I should just make fun of this person because they didn't do as well. Really, I should just feel lucky and, and privileged that I had the type of a life that allowed me to solve this problem quicker. But I mean, that being said, then no, the ideal situation would be for them to both get together, do the parts that they could do. And there's no discussion about who was better or whatever, because they both contributed. Right. Uh, and they were competing. You'll still get egos. You'll still get those people that, you know, want their, them to be, you know, their name on this, uh, this important issue so you also get those yeah. those, mm -hmm. those egocentric people but i think the <clears throat> lack of free will people when people start understanding yep, that Donald that Trump, anybody yeah so when people understand <laughs> that we lack free will we basically that takes away a lot of that that ego the egoistic type of thinking exactly when people understand, true. right yeah i mean that that's i mean you're right that's a factor now 20 30 years from now would much it, might be much, much less of a factor because so many more people have overcome this belief. Right. Yeah, I think that a full understanding that free will is an illusion um, makes that egoism really impossible. Like, I don't think it's even possible to have that once you understand that you don't. It's logically impossible. You're right. I mean, yeah. Right. It becomes more of an emotional thing, right? So and then yeah. people recognize it. and You can't really less... justify it at all. Right. Because... Every every action that you committed was only because of things that you just happened to go through by by chance, basically. All right, so let's pull back to the politics a bit more, if we can. Can you can you guys think of like ways we can inject this issue into this political season? You know, like in the UK with their elections, in the United States with our elections. What what issues? What isn't being talked about enough that that we can just like you know uh, start promoting more? <laughs> Anybody? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Cause, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, just real quick. Uh, yeah, I, say, I got a lot. It's just which one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's happening with the, the the Democrat Party right now, I think, is significant to what we're doing because people are divided. And that's actually on both sides. People, I mean, the, the party is splitting up in big, you know, the two party system is splitting up in, uh, in big ways in America anyway. Uh, and I think what's going to people are going to reevaluate where they stand on things. And if there's another base out there, another political system that is more in line with the idea of free will being an illusion, it would be a great opportunity to have a base of people to develop some type of political system around the idea that free will uh, doesn't exist. And we should try to evaluate uh, the how we want to run the country based on such a an idea. 
or go with right. the closest one to it anyway. Yeah. Like and Quaid just basically echoing, you know, you're echoing in a certain sense what Trick was starting with with the socialism. I mean, like the reason, the underlying reason that's not talked about, that's not um, writ, that's not um, you know promoted by by anyone, that's not you know written about in the press. Is that the 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 foundation the, the the foundation behind people, for example, who are for Sanders, is this 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 lack of free will? It's like, why do we want a more equal society? Why do we want to provide benefits and, and, and opportunities for everyone? It's because of, of that the, the fundamentally, you know, all men are, are created equal and all. So yeah. that's the thing. So like, in in order to kind of like, so sometimes. Sanders' message may not be getting across as strongly as and clearly as it could because they're not they're not championing this this foundation to it. They're saying, well, you know, like this is a good thing to do because it's morally a, a right thing to do. But they're not they're not even addressing why it's not just the moral thing to do, why it's the logical thing to do. Right. Plus, plus the, the you know Republicans are they're keen on using the whole. The whole, well, they're keen, yeah, the no, no. They're keen <laughs> on using that whole socialist thing, right? They, they equate that with communism, which is incorrect. So, so they, you know, they do this whole uh, slippery slope argument, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's uh, it's going to be a perfect, I mean, a Bernie Sanders supporters. I mean, I, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter. So I guess, you know, since we're talking about it, you know, but I th people like me are, are out there and, you know, we're looking for, uh, I, t I talk to a lot of them and I'm, it's something actually that I thought, and this might be a little bit uh, biased on my part. So uh, the bias is kind of obvious, but when I was calling people or talking to people, it might've been because I was a Sanders supporter, but people seemed a lot nicer when I was talking to a, a Sanders supporter. And of course I am one. So maybe they were like, Oh, you know, yeah. a Sanders supporter, but sometimes they didn't know that I was. And it just seemed like the other ones were more of a front to talk to me and didn't want to have a discussion with me than other ones. And I think it's, it has to do with openness and kind of, being compassionate towards people and, and, and recognizing that we shouldn't be blaming people. So I think a, a system like that, like that's already set up, you know, with, with people like Sanders supporters, it would be a perfect opportunity to try to build alliances with groups coming off of that um, and, and talking about the fundamental message we have and why that's important to maybe even they don't even realize it. I think some people don't even recognize they're just naturally compassionate or they're naturally see people in systems but they don't there's no cogna there's no metacognition there so they don't they don't connect right. the dots that oh there is a logical component to this so yeah yeah realistically i don't i don't think we're going to make a whole lot of impact on this at least this election that's coming up because we don't have the time to convince people of the lack of free will i i you know, I, yeah. I see it more as a, a long-term Thing, well, but... trick now. Wait a minute. I mean, basically, I, this, the challenge is to get really creative. In, other, in politics, for example, like in politics, um, you know, I think uh, in 2008, it seemed mm -hmm. like Obama may not have won that. You know, then the economy just like tanked in October and everything changed. So my, I'm not saying it would be at all easy, you know, but if we would could come up with the right message you know, and, yeah. and delivered in the right way, there is a possibility, you know, it's not a matter of time. I think it's a matter of like it create, it, it requires 
powerful creativity that it, yeah. it's got to summon up our, our resources. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the people we'd be convincing though would would be the people that were already voting for Sanders or or Hillary. No, I so. know, but but trick. My point is like you, we're convincing them, but we're also giving them more ammunition. In other words, we're we're, yeah. we're Trump is like taking credit for for like for bankrupting company for like for his like billions of dollars. And like we'll say, wait a minute, like you know you didn't have a fuel or when he's blaming the poor you know for yeah, the, yeah. and he's saying they don't deserve our help you know right well any, any little bit helps you're right like like there's there's things that, that we can do i'm not saying that but but yeah i mean i think i think i think our objective is probably more of it will it'll be a lot stronger in the long run let's just put it that way but right yeah, and, I, and, I mean you're, you're right realistically you know you know yep. the odds aren't in our our favor, but but we we certainly if we struck on a, a very powerful meme, a, a per, very powerful idea, it could be done. And regardless, this is still pivotal. I mean, I I, I with Trick, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference this election. But you know who cares? Because I think this is right. It's pivotal because for the first time we have a group of people who are a, a base out there who do seem to be more compassionate, more empathetic, more understanding of people and their circumstances than ever before. Right. You know, the fact that we have those people now means that it's actually it's a good thing for us. It's a good thing for us, actually, that all these parties. I mean, had there been solidarity there with the Democratic Party, you know, maybe they would just continue to believe continue continue believing what they wanted. Uh, but now that people are kind of stepping back from the political lines, they're looking around to see what else is out there, which gives us an opportunity. Right. And yeah, actually, so tying this in, like, you know, we're still working on this not for profit, I you know. Um, I, I, I should, you know, I want to get motivated to, to get it done, but like once we do it, I, you know, in terms of our first project, you know, we were considering a collaboration of working together on a book, you know, each of us like write a, a piece or a few pieces or even like draw on stuff we've already written, you know, for, for it. And this might be the perfect theme, you know, like, you know, free will politics and, and, uh, the future or something like that. You know, to to expand our audience be, beyond uh, psychologists and philosophers to to these political you know people mm -hmm. who who are much more likely to 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 grasp the utility of what we're saying than than the average philosopher or psychologist. Yeah, it's definitely not Maybe. a bad idea to focus on what people actually care about, which is these a lot of these political issues. So yeah, actually, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I think that's I mean. That's not, and it's and again, it's a political election year. I mean, it's a per, the timing is perfect, the atmosphere is perfect. So to get something like that off the ground, I think would be very significant given the time we're in. All right. Well, what I will do then, I will like I'll come up with a, a list of different issues, different um, what you call it topics, and you mm -hmm. guys, you know, like send me uh, um, send me ideas, whatever, and distribute it to the group. And then we can go about the, the, the task of just divvying it up among us. And I mean, this, this shouldn't take us more than two, three months to do, you know, well, well ahead of the election. I mean, again, you're right. It's not going to have major impact probably, but, but yeah, it might yeah. be a great thing to do. It doesn't even have to be the, the longest book ever, right? It could be like a, um, like a novella-sized book, but yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And again, we can draw on, on material we've already written and published. It doesn't have to be all be new material. Right.
So we're ready to close it up. I think we've covered a lot of ground yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, this has been yep. good, guys. Yeah, you talked about a lot, and I just let you guys talk because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah, I, I don't know American politics, but I'm all for everyone benefiting by understanding that free will is an illusion. So, yeah, if you guys are done, then I'll close out this episode. You, re you ready? Sounds yep. good. Yeah. Okay. You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion, and and the guys have been talking about politics, uh, equality, fairness, competition, and how f uh, the free will belief plays into it all, about what kind of competition there might be or not be, and the difference between you know doing something because it's a moral or compassionate thing to do and doing it because it makes sense, because there's a huge difference. And so when we've got the compassion and the logic, it's, we're just much more effective at, at what we're doing to make a better world. So I hope you've learned something and enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening and goodbye.